John Rinaldi, the founder of Geobit. John, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah. So we're here in your offices at 1871. Uh, this is where you guys are set up, and you guys are building uh, wearable devices for children to help parents kind of track where they are. Yeah. I am uh, not a parent. I don't have any kids, so I don't know that feeling of panic of, oh my gosh, where is my child? Uh, tell me about that feeling. Is that feeling kind of what brought you to found this company? Yeah, and hopefully when you buy a Geobit, when you have kids, you'll never feel that. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly, yeah. So uh, about a year ago, I'm a Chicago native. Uh, my wife and I had not been to Maggie Daly Park downtown, right by Millennial, mm-hmm. uh, Millennial Park. And so we took our two kids down there over the summer uh, and uh, in fantastic space. I mean, just a kid's dream Mm -hmm. and uh, unfortunately a parent's nightmare because on a crowded day um it's it's very easily where you can see your child just kind of darting seeing something and bright shiny Mm -hmm. object bam they're gone right um and and my wife and i split up so i was just one there's two eyeballs Mm -hmm. on on my son and he was kind of holding my hand and within a couple seconds he kind of saw something and i thought i saw him i then quickly lost him and just a sea of people, mm-hmm. and uh, and thirty minutes went by, and we couldn't find him. I was trying to organizing groups of people, yelling for him, running around, um, and was just at my wit's end. It was just totally um, an unbelievable event in terms of just the fear that goes through things. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that eventually, after about thirty minutes, he found me. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of got I don't know how, but he saw me at the other side of the park. And uh, fortunately, it had a great ending in the fact that we found him, and, but it, it inspired me to do something about this. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Geobit itself and the product. I mean, this isn't, you know, you are not just a parent with a back of the napkin idea. Your experience is from Motorola. You formerly, you used to work at Motorola. You've recruited some Motorola vets to work on this product with you to kind of build this wearable device. Sort of explain a little bit about what it looks like and what it does. Yeah. Um, so... As a parent, I, if the first thing I did with this was, I mean, I was working, as you said, I was still working at Motorola and, and thinking through this, like, God, why isn't there anything out there that solves this? I went and bought every kind of product that was out there, just super disappointed mm-hmm. with everything that I, that I came across. And, and that's kind of when, when I thought to myself, hey, I actually have some unique skills on, on how to approach this. And so, um, so shortly after, we decided to do something about it. And um, it took a while to kind of think through what it was going to be. And what I, what I first did was I just used my, uh, you know, my sampling of my kids and mm-hmm. let them just kind of watch them with these current products that were out there. Um, and, and got some really interesting insights from that. Um, then I bought a bunch more and gave them to neighbors and let them use them of these current mm-hmm. kind of crappy products mm-hmm. that are out there. And, and quickly kind of saw where I, where I felt was the opportunity. Um, we, uh, we quickly found out that uh, all of these products that are in the market have just terrible battery life. Um, and, in, and in this day and age, uh, being a parent, like you've got enough electronics around your house, tablets, phones, all this other stuff that you're charging. Like I have so many of those. I don't need to charge yet another thing mm-hmm. all the time. Right. And it became a real hassle as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one thing that came out was like battery life is just atrocious on these things. And it came to the point where like you didn't want to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we knew we had to solve that problem first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Second uh, was these products were all just massively big, bulky, and, and most all of them on the wrist. Mm-hmm. And you won't understand this yet because you're not a parent, but kids that are between the two age of two and eight typically don't wear watches. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an adult right. thing. It's a fashion piece, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you can tell your time mm-hmm. on your phone. You wear typically a watch because it's probably more of a fashion piece. 
Um, and they got their hands in the dirt, and they were playing on the playground, and, and a watch maybe is not the most practical device. And they have tiny little wrists, right. so these things are like way bigger than Apple watches. Right. So it's, it's, it's absurd. Yeah. Um, and when we, even that being absurd, we did put them on wrists. And what we saw is there, there were abstraction in the classroom, mm-hmm. at the school. Uh, there were abstraction to the child. Mm-hmm. Um, and some parents, although you, we don't like to necessarily think about it, because but they, they thought to themselves, hey, this is kind of calling out to people. My child is unsupervised. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a tracker on them. Like, if so, yeah, the boogie, like, we don't like to talk about that. But in their mind, they think about that, and it's an objection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had to develop something that was super discreet, mm-hmm. didn't get in the way of their daily life, was super durable, small, lightweight, all of these things. So that was another big challenge for us as well. And so we developed something we call a smart tag. Um, and it's something that really clips onto any part of the apparel. The one thing that becomes clear with a parent is there is no consistency when it comes to your children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they have one day they're okay with something on the wrist, right. and the next day take it off. Me. Right. One day you know they have an opinion on what type of character they like. <laughs> it's constantly changing. So we needed a design that was flexible mm-hmm. enough to really attach to any part of clothing, any part of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, we we picked something that really attached to. Uh, their shoes or their pants or their shirt or kind of really any other apparel mm-hmm. um, and, and really can't get taken off either. Mm-hmm. So uh, the clip mechanism or the springs in this smart tag, it's very small. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's such that the hand strength of really a, between a two and maybe a seven-year-old mm-hmm. really can't take it off. It mm-hmm. really requires the, the hand strength of an adult. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we have kind of designed in our building um, and, and something that has amazing battery life, like mm-hmm. I said. So it's um, something that doesn't last like one or two days like the current products, but lasts upwards of a month. Mm-hmm. So walk through how a parent would use it in a given scenario. Yeah, so assuming they've, they've attached it to, mm-hmm. uh, let's, let's say, a, a pocket mm-hmm. um, or a shoelace or something like that. Um, as soon as the child, let's say you're at a crowded place, um, like Maggie Daly Park, mm-hmm. uh, as soon as the child would start drifting away, uh, we will recognize contextually that the parent and the child are at a park mm-hmm. uh, and in a crowded place. And so we'll alert the parent and the child that they have kind of drifted. So you get an alert before you even walk. Right to your phone. Right to your phone. Mm-hmm. Great, great point. Yes, to your phone. Smartphone app, of course. Um, and so at that point in time, hopefully you've been buzzed, you alert, you're within you know yelling distance. Mm-hmm. They're probably just a few feet away from you, uh, 20 feet away. Um, but let's just say it's noisy, mm-hmm. your child doesn't hear you, whatever it is, there's a sea of people. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point in time, uh, you can then get an, an alert of where they're actually at on a map. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can see where they're at. Uh, and also you'll be able to see distance and height. Mm-hmm. So let's say they're up on a slide, you'll know they're up on a slide. Or maybe you're in a shopping mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple levels, if you're downtown Chicago, even worse, like in um, in like a 10-story shopping mall. But mm-hmm. let's say it's like a two or three-story shopping mall. Maybe you think they're in Macy's, but really they're on the second floor. And I think that's a key point, too, because you're not relying on GPS. It's not It's not just coordinates on a map. I mean, this really goes you know, vertical or horizontal. And it is, it is, what sort of technology are you guys using that takes it be a step beyond GPS? Yeah, so uh, it's, it's something we call progressive beaconing. It really leverages all sorts of radios. It does have GPS, so when you're outdoors mm-hmm. and you want to get a very high degree accuracy fix, mm-hmm. we can do that. Um, but there's lots of technologies you can use uh, that have coming on the market uh, as of late. Things you may have heard about, like Bluetooth beaconing, Wi-Fi beaconing. Mm-hmm. There's lots of ambient radio frequencies out there we can pick up on and help to triangulate where the child is. Um, we can also detect pressure changes so we know altitude changes within a structure. Mm-hmm. So we know, like you said, the child's in the second floor versus mm-hmm. the first floor. So this solution works outdoors or indoors, really wherever they are, and even internationally as well. So mm-hmm. if you're on a 
trip to Aruba or Mexico, no fear, our, our network will work there as well because it has a cellular backhaul uh, in addition. So if you're far away from the child, um, that, that'll allow you to, to tell you where they are. Um, how do you guys sort of anticipate the demand for this product? I, th- I think about... Um like security, like home security systems, like my parents' house uh, got broken into, yeah. but they didn't get the security system until after their house got broken into. Right. So what do you do to parents to convince them, you know, before the scary incident happens that you need this prior to that? Right. Um, what's really interesting is we look at it as a couple of things. One thing is that we've seen through a lot of our uh, marketing tests is that there's, uh, there's a messaging uh, around the acquisition and there's a messaging around the conversion mm-hmm. uh, because it, this isn't just about going to a park, mm-hmm. right? Because I do that maybe once a month or maybe once a couple times a month. Um, but we also want to give children um, really a little bit more freedom than they have too. Like I, I, after this happened to me, I was like apprehensive. I didn't want to let my kid out of my sight. Right. And there are a lot of these parents that are like, they're just fearful in general. It's never happened to them, mm-hmm. but the inherent innate fear is there. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're not letting their child really have some of these freedoms mm-hmm. that I think you and I maybe enjoyed a little bit more when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And so you have these helicoptering type parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and our goal is to let these parents have a little bit, a little bit more peace of mind and mm-hmm. let their kids have a little bit more fun. Let them maybe walk to school. Let them go out and play a little bit further. Let them go out and explore without having that worry, mm-hmm. even if it hasn't happened yet. Um, so there's that more everyday use case or even take it going to the bus, mm-hmm. um, just alleviating some of that fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But we do realize that the acquisition of it many times is this like, hey, positioning these moments or these trigger moments where I'm on vacation or in an unfamiliar place, that's where mm-hmm. you tend to think about it. Mm-hmm. Even though in reality, what we see is people end up losing track of their children when it does happen, ends up happening more closer to home mm-hmm. than it is an unfamiliar location. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they just don't think about it. So our messaging has been very much um, a very positive tone. We Mm -hmm. want to give parents peace of mind, but kids more freedom. This isn't like protecting you from the boogeyman. This is like letting kids be kids and having you not stress about Mm -hmm. it. Um, And so our acquisition is around places like parks, airports, things like that, where Mm -hmm. you are in an unfamiliar place. And then the conversion of that is once you understand that it's it's beyond that. It's the Mm -hmm. everyday use case that works as well uh, is where we've had success. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even if it hasn't happened, um, we do see that a majority of parents are thinking about it, even if it hasn't happened to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the product is uh, not on the shelves yet. You guys are nearing pre-orders, correct? That's right. And the mm-hmm. spring will open up for pre-orders. Unfortunately, you have to have things like FCC certifications sure. and other, there's a ton of radios in this. And so uh, we want to make sure everything's super buttoned up before we open up for pre-sales. And now will the device be, uh, you know, you buy it once or and you're good to go? Or do you need to pay monthly for the tracking? How does the, the cost work? Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned, there is a network component to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a service that comes with this. allows you to uh, use this with multiple people, multiple what we call safe zones mm-hmm. or geofencing. Um, but also there is a data network component to this that allows you to work even away from the, the mm-hmm. parent um, and internationally as well. So there is a monthly service uh, that comes with it. Uh, we price it less than Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for less than Netflix, you can have peace of mind. Um, and we are going to be offering discounts for like a year commitment. So you can prepay a year for less than 100 bucks um, and, mm-hmm. and don't have to worry about it. Gotcha. I think an interesting element too of the technology is sort of understanding the child's everyday pattern of where they go. You know, they go yeah. to school, they go to after school, they go to practice, they go to a friend's house. 
And t- correct me if I'm wrong, but the GeoBit sort of learns that behavior and then can un- can uh, notify a parent when they've sort of deviated from their regular path. That's right. We don't want to bombard people with constant messages of where mm-hmm. they're at. It's more like if things are off, mm-hmm. you know, off uh, normal. And so uh, we have an element of machine learning that looks at all the sensor data, all the location data, and then you don't we really don't want you to set it up. We just mm-hmm. want you to, to use the product, and it becomes smarter and learns itself over time. And that's exactly what happens. So as your child uses it, we learn where they go to school. We learn what home is. We learn mm-hmm. the route they take there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point in time, uh, allows you to message if they're not on mm-hmm. those paths or not in the place they should be. Um, and it also allows us to save additional power. Mm-hmm. I think the concern uh, that people just have about technology, especially location and tracking technology, is safety and hacking and yeah. people sort of getting into this data. How have you guys sort of addressed uh, the issue of privacy and safety and making sure that other people aren't hacking into the location of someone's child? It's a great question and it's something that parents, you're, you're thinking of that not even as a parent, yeah. uh, and most parents have the same thoughts. I mean, mm-hmm. you hear about it day in and day out and generally speaking, um, the IoT industry has done a pretty bad job at security. And mm-hmm. uh, and so there's a little bit of a, we have to kind of go above and beyond even what would be really minimally required. Mm-hmm. And so we've really over-engineered our security solution. So much so that we've taken uh, what's called a secure element. That's an encrypted piece of hardware that's really hack-proof. It's the same type of technology that's in your iPhone or your Android phone that's that's allowed for like Apple Pay mm-hmm. or Android Pay. Mm-hmm. It has the credentials for like the, the payment systems. Mm-hmm. Um, this technology was really first used in consumer electronics, probably without people knowing it, for um, what's called digital rights management. So when you stream something from Netflix or HBO or things like mm-hmm. this, they've put some encryption in there so that you can't pirate that mm-hmm. stuff, right? That, that's mm-hmm. their, that's their, uh, their revenue stream. They want to protect that. Right? Right. So these secure elements that were added in consumer electronics were used to make sure this was like hack-proof Super, super secure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's now been used for payment systems. And really, to my knowledge, no wearable has ever used a secure element to encrypt data mm-hmm. and to allow for the communications to be encrypted in mm-hmm. a very, very, very secure way. Um, we've used that technology in this device, mm-hmm. which means that all the data is not only encrypted in transit, but it's also encrypted at that rest on the device. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've used then industry standard security protocols um, on the on the cloud side as well and partnered with Amazon, mm-hmm. um, who obviously right. has a ton of experience in the space uh, to secure all of our back end as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, really, like I said, going above and beyond even looking at like a hardware tampering. So we mm-hmm. can detect if someone's trying to like hack the hardware itself mm-hmm. and like tamper that. Mm-hmm. So when you sort of uh, hear from a parent who's concerned about that, what do you tell them? Do you tell them that it's hack proof, that it's 99.9% hack proof? I mean, what kind of, how can you sort of ease yeah, those concerns? Yeah, so we've, we've really turned this from instead of a responsive to a proactive. So mm-hmm. we've really positioned this as a feature of the device. Yeah. Uh, and it just factually state what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So we have their privacy in mind. We, have, we know this is a concern. So we're going to just factually tell them the things that we do mm-hmm. and really give it the same level of security and trust that you get out of other types of devices you may have Mm -hmm. um, and then explain very very cleanly what um, what we do with that data which Mm -hmm. is really we don't share with anybody it's Mm -hmm. uh, extremely private secure um, and uh, and we encrypt it and hold it very sensitive Mm -hmm. so you guys uh, are here in 1871 uh, sort of the home of Chicago's uh, startups we got a lot of tech founders in here I hope you don't take offense to this, but you guys up the average age a little bit of the uh, typical founder that's here in 1871, but um, that's got to give a huge advantage to what you guys are building here because you guys are seasoned 
uh, technologists who've spent a lot of time in places like Motorola and mm-hmm. other tech uh, powerhouses. How does yep. having that sort of experience on this team sort of um, further aid what you guys are building? Yeah, so the average uh, average years of experience on a team is, is around 14 years mm-hmm. of experience. Uh, so you're right, the average age is a little <laughs> higher. Um, and, but that shouldn't uh, be any indication of our passion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but you get an unbelievably seasoned engineering team from that. Um, and, uh, and what's interesting with when we started was um, we're part of, or we were just graduated from a program called Techstars, mm-hmm. uh, which is inside of 1871. And when my founder and I, my co-founder, started the business, uh, we thought about bringing in a third co-founder mm-hmm. that had previous experience in startups, which we had not. Um, and at that point in time, Techstars approached us and said, hey, why don't you view us as really your, your third co-founder? Um, Troy Hanikoff, mm-hmm. who's a partner at uh, Math Venture Partners, also is the managing director of Techstars, um, really positioned it that way, and and said, hey, we're really looking at this as a long-term investment in this. Kind of, we're, we don't just go through the program, we're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we stay with you. Um, and so we said, oh, that's a really interesting way to think about it. Um, and, and so we, we, we approached it and said, hey, let's, let's, let's look at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Troy is actually on our, our board of directors. So mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's very true about that statement, being a great partner. Um, and we really look at the Techstars community as a whole as really across thousands of people kind of satisfying that, that third co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives us that, that insight um, mm-hmm. that we probably didn't have before. Uh, but the other interesting thing is you have a ton of folks from larger companies in Chicago um, where, let's just say, startups aren't mm-hmm. just, you don't know about startups through osmosis like you do when you're out west. Right. Even if you work for a bigger company, you kind of get it, you've been involved in the scene some way. In Chicago, that's not necessarily the case for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so there is still this element of like sexiness to joining a small company, a mm-hmm. startup. Starting something new. Starting something new, and where you've got your hands in everything, mm-hmm. you're, you're defining it. Um, and so it, I don't want to say it's an easy sell, mm-hmm. but it's there's less competition to sell that message to someone that spent 15 years at a bigger company. Right, and particularly at hardware. I mean, there just aren't that many hardware startups in Chicago comparatively to the West Coast. Absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. So you're unique in that regard. Mm-hmm. That uh, you're different from. There's not a lot of consumer hardware or even enterprise hardware, but consumer right. hardware specifically. Um, so if they're going to leave a place like Motorola. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are places, lots of places that these they're unbelievable engineers, but there's not a lot of small company startups. Mm-hmm. And so we are unique in that position. Mm-hmm. And you guys have talked about your, you know, sort of long-term roadmap, really bringing down the form factor of the device itself, getting it, you know, almost quote-unquote invisible. I mean, how do you sort of get to that point to where uh, a tracking device is so small it can really be within the, you know, the fabric of clothes, for example? Yeah. Um, so there's a ton of great progress happening in the industry at large around connected uh, threads mm-hmm. uh, that allow us to have a um, kind of a distributed, let's think of your clothing as an architecture mm-hmm. of electronics. It allows us to have that being very distributed. So instead of having the product, let's say, all woven in into one area of a shirt, let's mm-hmm. say. So some of the smart clothing that you see today in like fitness and apparel, you'll see like this big bulge in like, mm-hmm. the back of the neck, right? Because the whole product really is just being... sewn right into the fabric and that's it Um, but with connected threads you can have a distributed architecture which means some sensors can go in the sleeve the battery can go over here and you can just start saying that across the entire uh, apparel item Mm -hmm. uh, which makes it much more discreet Mm -hmm. Um, and all of our technology already is getting smaller 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 and lower and lower 
power mm-hmm. to the point where we think that our battery cell, while it's also already one of the industry smallest, we can get even smaller mm-hmm. um, as not only look at new chemistries for battery technology, but different things like wireless charging, where you can charge something over, let's say, 10, 20 feet, mm-hmm. uh, where if the item just goes in every day into a drawer or into a closet, you don't really need to worry about having battery life that lasts a month because it's kind of getting recharged mm-hmm. every time you put it away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are some interesting things that we are exploring. Um, and then we're also looking at all sorts of different markets that can use the software. So all of our intellectual property really is around software. Mm-hmm. We had to invent new hardware to take advantage of that, but our intellectual property really is around our software algorithms. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at a variety of other industries that can leverage similar types of technology, not just children Mm -hmm. but there's lots of other needs for this in other industries as well interesting awesome well john thanks so much really appreciate the time thanks for joining the show yeah great thanks